0: Welcome to Know My Faith, my guest this time is uh, Paul Cohen from Celebrate Messiah in Australia. Paul, thanks for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure, absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to speak into the lives of people.
0: Uh, th- thank you for allowing me to like suck stuff out of your brain and out of your knowledge. that's the that's the best part. we are we are in this um in this intermediate period between Passover and Pentecost. and, most of us understand we understand passover that's when jesus died paid the price for our sins we understand pentecost that's when the holy spirit was given looking back to the law being given at zion but there's this whole counting the omer business and the first fruits and uh, that we don't understand so can we can we go back to the sunday jesus rose and and what the heck is first fruits can we
1: can we take a step further back because we talk about Passover, and we assume that's one feast, but it isn't one. It's actually a number of holy seasons, and that would be the better term rather than feast. Because we talk about the seven feasts of the Lord, yeah, but some of them are not feast at all. So what you have is, is a chapter in Leviticus chapter 23 that really talks about all the feasts. These are the appointments, literally, that God has made with us. And so these are appointments that will help us understand the prophetic ministry of Jesus, of the church, and of Israel. And that's the thing that we don't often get. And so when we look at the first one, it's Passover, we get that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And and very few people argue about that. And it makes sense to us because Christ our Passover or Messiah our Passover has been slain. And so what Jewish people did back then in the time of Moses was kill a lamb. By the time of Christ, uh, there were lots of people that came and that they all uh, came without a lamb, but the temple then would provide a portion of that meat. And that's what Jesus did at that Last Supper when he instituted the New Covenant. But with that comes that second feast or that second holy season. That's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's in Leviticus 23, verses 6 to 8. So that's, that's actually
0: after Passover, isn't it? Or, or, or no. Passover starts it?
1: Passover is technically one day, and that's, that's all it is. So it starts in the evening, and the next day is the, the week of Unleavened Bread. So you have a whole week where you eat the bread of affliction, Now, if you've ever been to a a Seder, a Jewish Passover, uh, you'll be invited to participate of that. And I like feast as much as the next guy, but eating the bread of affliction. I don't know why we invite people to that. It is a strange thing to do. And it's that unleavened bread. And so we think of Jesus, uh, how does that fit with him? Well, he is the unleavened one. He's the sinless one. And so when you look at Hebrews chapters 9 and 10, it describes his sinlessness, and particularly in terms of the reference towards his blood. Yeah. So instead of looking at Passover as the one day, we now see it as already two. And then it continues. uh, When we look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 5, 6 to 8, don't you know that uh, your boasting is no good? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul is making just not a reference to Christ, our Passover, but also to... The unleavened bread aspect. So we too, who are uh, now having received the Spirit, need to be like that.
0: So is that is that kind of like I mean, when Jesus says that you know that this bread is my body given for you, that's that's unleavened bread he's talking about.
1: That's unleavened bread. This week of
0: unleavened bread is that should that kind of be like we're concentrating and remembering his sacrifice for that whole week?
1: Yeah. And so rather than just the one day, or in some churches, you have communion for about, okay, we have 10 minutes set aside for communion. Uh, Who is the next speaker? Okay, uh, can you give a little message on that? Yeah. You get these really floppy messages, but for a whole week, they were to remember that sinless aspect. And so in that sense, that really helps them say, I want to be clean and live a holy life and dedicated to the Lord.
0: That's kind of a counterpoint to the days leading up to uh, Yom Kippur, isn't it? Because those are days of of introspection, looking at the leaven within us.
1: Yeah. And it it really connects in that sense that it often is about looking in, saying, how do we get rid of the sin? Yep. And so with the Passover, we know that he takes away the sin. And so with the unleavened bread, we remember that he is the sinless one. And so we look at him. But then we come to that third feast, and that's uh, in Leviticus 23, 9 to 14. And they were to take a sheaf to the priest. Now, this is on the uh, the day after the Sabbath. Now, the day after the Sabbath is, it doesn't take a genius to work that out. That's a Sunday. Yeah. Well, here the, the, the rabbis differed with the people from Qumran and from the Samaritans and from the New Testament, they then now say, oh, well, we don't want to celebrate at the same time as they do. And so they've Uh, now shifted that day. But the point that they had to do was to bring a sheaf. Now, The the first grain that was ripening, the barley, was then brought to the temple. And in Josephus and in the Mishnah and the the rabbinical commentary on the... um, the Bible is not quite a commentary, but it, it kind of you can see it like that. You, you can see a lot of stories and and information about this feast. Mm-hmm. It is huge. and so uh, rather than talk about Passover, you could actually talk about the season of Passover. yeah and so these are the first three, and so now they bring the barley, the the first grain towards the the temple, and it it helps them. Uh, understand that God is the one who brings forth the fruit from the earth. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul talks about that, that uh, Messiah is the first fruits of the resurrection. So this feast then uh, connects into that whole,
0: who is Jesus? Well, most of us aren't agricultural anymore. We're all city-bound. Um so the, the first fruits is, the, is I mean, obviously, it's, it's the first to ripen. And if it's the first, it's the best, um, yeah. generally. So we understand Jesus is the best. So the, the waving of the sheaf, um, is that like when Jesus said to Mary, you know, don't hold on to me, I haven't ascended to my father. Is his ascending to the father, is that the
1: waving of the sheaf? No, I I think that has to do with something else. I I not maybe I'm I'm missing something there, but I hadn't quite connected it. Now uh, earlier you mentioned the counting of the Omar. Yeah. In the first century, what you have is that they brought the sheep, but the first sheep had to be brought on that first day, and that's coming from the district of Jerusalem. Now as they go further out, you have those times that you can count. So the first day, the second day. And in Leviticus 23, we also have the counting of the Omer, the counting of those sheaves. Now, Jewish people still do that. In the synagogue, they say every day, today is the so many day of the counting of the sheaves, of the counting of the Omer. Right. Now, we don't do that, but it is important for us to realize that, that they lived from feast to feast, or from holy season to holy season, because this now stretches from Passover all the way to Shavuot or Pentecost, as Christians yes. like to call it. Now, Jewish people call it the Feast of Weeks. That's what Shavuot means. Uh, Christians take it as the 50th day, because on the next day, you have to celebrate this.
0: Well, that's a little different too, because, I mean, if we take Pentecost as a day, but in the Jewish term, it's a Feast of Weeks. Yeah. So is that, is that the weeks between Passover and Pentecost?
1: Yeah, and so you, you go from one to the other. And so the, the starting of that season is... The, the first day the day after the sabbath and then you count every day so you have an anticipation towards the final day of that feast and that's that 50th day so that's why christians call it the 50th day and that, that makes sense so it's more a countdown isn't it i mean if, if
0: you had the, if you had the the, the feasts as a clock on the wall it would tick into passover and then it would count down to pentecost
1: yeah it there's, there's that whole counting down and there's that sense of anticipation, what's going to happen now. Now, particularly for, um, you know, wrote, it's the giving of the Lord that we remember. Yes. So it is highly significant in that sense. It's also a bit scary because on that day, lots of people died because God came down. And that's the scary thing, that we, we remember that time of God coming down. So Leviticus 15 to 21 talks about uh, the offerings that you have to bring, and it's a burnt offering, but it's, it's remembering really about the giving of the law.
0: And the giving of the law, that was, uh, if I've got my, my theology correct, that was really the formation of the nation of Israel as opposed to the, the family of Israel.
1: Yeah, so what we have is the family of Israel with Jacob, then they become the tribes of Israel, and that's basically the time in Egypt. But yep. they are loosely confederate, that they're not actually joined together. What joins them together is two things. Uh, it's the law of Moses, because now they have a common law. But the second thing that binds them is faith. And so once the tabernacle is established, they have a, a place to come together. So it is the law and faith that now come together and that creates the nation. Yeah. And from that moment on, we can talk about the nation of Israel.
0: Not looking at the spiritual side of feasts, but from the natural side of feasts, Shavuot really should be the big one because that's, that's when, you know, you go, well, when, when did Israel first become a nation? Well, it was on Shavuot 1450 BC or whatever the exact date was.
1: Yeah, and so it is highly significant in the Jewish community. In the Christian community, we ignore that as a whole. But it's a bit sad because to some degree, we came together also on that same day. The church was born. Yeah, the church was born. So we we didn't become a nation, but out of many nations, we became one people. Yeah. And we too have a common faith. We have one Lord, one faith, Messiah Jesus. So it is it is very similar in that sense. When, when we open up that
0: aspect of it, the the Jewish understanding of it, the Israelite understanding of it, you go, oh, well, that makes so much more sense now, as opposed to just, why are we doing, oh, okay, yes, well, yep. the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, so that's it. But you delve a little bit deeper into it, because the parallels are there. The The many tribes, the 12 tribes that were disjointed came together, the... Uh, at the first Shavuot, at the second, we'll call it Pentecost, the mm-hmm. the nations came together, and we have all those different nations that uh, that are mentioned in the Book of Acts. The giving of the law on stone, and then the you know God says in Jeremiah, you know, I will I will write the law in their hearts through the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, we do have to remember that both covenants are made with Israel. Yes, so. Both in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34, it is with uh, the nation of Israel. And the law of Moses is given to the nation of Israel. But in Ephesians 2 and 3, we see that Paul now says, we are of the same faith. And so we are brought near. And so Jew and Gentile then stand together in as one. Now, particularly this can be seen in this particular feast, the, the Feast of Pentecost, because one of the offerings that had to be made was two loaves, and while Passover had unleavened bread, this has two leavened loaves, and if you think about it really simply, uh, two leavened loaves that would mean two sinful things. Well, what are we? We are Jew and Gentile that come together, and that was, you know, raised up to the Lord, or you know, it was a wave offering before the Lord. So Jew and Gentile come together in that sense. And that's highly significant because it's not about uh, Israel alone. It's also about the people of the world. All of us can come together now uh, in Christ. And so it's it's a highly significant day. And the way we know that we're in Christ is when we have the Spirit. So God pours out His Spirit upon all flesh. Now initially that's Jewish flesh, but in Acts you can see that extended. To uh, first the Samaritans, and then there was some other Gentile settlements, <laughs> and Romans, and then the message goes out worldwide. Just are you able to explain for us that
0: because I mean, the, the waving. What is the waving? You, you pick up these two loaves and you wave them before God. He goes, "Yep, I accept that." You go,
1: "What is that?" Yeah. So under Paganism, what? They would do is they would wave them before the Lord and you know the Baals of uh, Phoenicia or the Baals of of Sidon and they would think that the gods would eat them, but the God of Israel doesn't need food. No, but what he wants is that the best is placed before him as a symbolism, and so uh, sometimes I say it's not the waving like they do at the airport, but it's actually a racing up. Yep. And so it was, in, in that sense, a heave offering. It was raised up before the Lord, and the Lord then could see it, and then it was placed before him on a, a table or an altar. The 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 bread of presence in the tabernacle, later on in the temple, yep. was placed before him. And the priest then, as his representatives, would eat that.
0: But it's also partly acknowledging that this came from you.
1: Yeah, and so it is raised up to him, it belongs to him, but we participate with him. Yeah, yeah, and so it's a it's an incredible offering when you think about it. You have the unleavened bread; that's Messiah. Now we have the leavened loaves; that's us, Jew and Gentile, now coming together. And it's it's sad that in some churches, when they celebrate the communion or the breaking of bread, that they, they use leavened bread, because yeah. that would be eating us. But we don't want to be in us we want him in us
0: when i was pastoring the uh, the christian center we started using unleavened bread and having been brought up in the presbyterian church and been baptist and anglican and all these things it's it's still un <laughs> it's unnatural for me to take communion with unleavened bread,
1: yeah, it, it's,
0: it, yeah it, just, you know, it just doesn't feel right, although that that is the right thing to do.
1: It's what Jesus would have symbolized rather than you know, the leavened loaves that that's you and me. We are full of sin, yeah, and what we need is his covering against that. so why
0: are we why are we raising up the two loaves ourselves
1: at Shavuot? Well, we don't do it. the priest does. So it's the high priest, God's representative, who lifts it to God. And then that bread is distributed to the priest. So today when we do that in a local congregation on the day of Shavuot, we do that too. We raise two loaves. And it's not so much a reminder of that event, but what we do in the synagogue in the Messianic community, we often have two loaves because God gave a double portion of manna. Yeah. Uh, now on Shavuot, we do make that additional application and say, "This is Jew and Gentile, and that we are now one because we are one offering." And so it's that combining of the the one uh, the one new man, uh, as Paul said.
0: And again, we're we're looking back to the the formation of the nation of Israel, the formation of the church at Shavuot, and so with the two loaves, prefiguring that. God says, here I have, I have made this this new thing where the Gentiles can. Now, I have a book that was uh, given to me by uh, Yossi Ovadia, who was the uh, congregational leader in Carmiel in Israel, and it's called Breaking Down the Wall of Division. And that, that little wall that most of us don't know about uh, that was outside the temple that said, if you're a Gentile and you cross over this, it's curtains for you. Okay. But that, that, and that wall's broken down now in Christ.
1: Yeah, and so you you got to unpack that a little bit more because most people don't quite get that. There's the temple compound, and so there's a whole platform with on that platform various structures, including Solomon's Colonnade, including uh, a a marketplace where the the temple exchange exchange for money happens, and there's the Hall of Judgment. But a small building on that whole platform is the temple. Yeah. And around that there are various courts, Uh, inside of it there's the courts for the priest Then just in front the court of the men, then there's a wider extension for the court of the women and then even beyond that there's the court of the Gentiles and between the Gentiles and the court of the women is that barrier. And uh, as they did excavations uh, on Temple Mount uh, during the Ottoman period, uh, they found that plaque that you described. Uh, Gentiles can go in, but it's on pain of death.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's it's a huge separation of Jew and Gentile. And they were always excluded. So in, in the Book of Ephesians, it talks about that in the Book of Romans. It, it also indicates that uh, in Romans 9 at the beginning of it, it talks about what advantage then is you know for yeah. the Jew and I think it's important to realise that they were excluded, excluded from meeting God.
0: Looking at the tabernacle where God says, uh, I will dwell with you, but you're a sinful people, and my holiness might break out against you. So so that I can dwell with you, mm. you need to make a tabernacle, you need to cover it with this, you need to sequester me away. And most people didn't, you know, we we, we give a little knowledge to it, but... The only person that ever saw the the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God underneath the wings of the cherubim, was the high priest on one day a year. Nobody, you know, and it was only the priests were allowed in the tabernacle. It was only the, uh, sorry, the Levites and the priests. It was only the priests allowed in the holy place. The rest of the Israelites weren't even allowed to come close, Hmm. let alone us Gentiles.
1: Yeah, and so in the tabernacle, you you don't have that clear distinction um, in terms of distance. And that only comes in through the second temple period. Yeah. But there is that whole separation. And so sometimes I call that the geography of holiness. So you have the holy of holies, and there's the holy place, and there's the court for the priest. The court for the Israelite men, the court for the Israelite women, then the Gentiles. And so you're standing on the far outside and you don't know what is happening inside. Yeah. You don't you can't look in. Even as you pointed out, even Jewish men, even Jewish priests couldn't look in. And yeah, you're right. God is holy. And that's sometimes the thing that we, we forget in that whole process. And yeah. we talk about God is love a whole lot, and that's great. But he's also holy. He's righteous, and that aspect, particularly in the tabernacle, comes out very clearly. Yeah, and
0: where Jesus says to the disciples, "You know, you you know the Holy Spirit because He is with you and will be in you," and and to me, that's the really exciting part. Is that this holy, holy, holy God that Isaiah quaked before when he saw Him, who said, "You cannot come close to Me, even if you're, even if you are uh, an Aaronic priest." Mm. you can't come close. If you are a Jewish male who's not of the tribe of Aaron, of Levi, you can't come close. If you're a Gentile, you've got no hope. But at Pentecost, at Shavuot, the Holy Spirit came down and dwells within us.
1: It is a pretty amazing prophetic statement that is already found in the book of Ezekiel, that the Spirit would indwell. And now in the book of Acts, we see that that not only applies to Jewish people, but to everybody and so in that sense the the grace of god is then extended out not just for one man who comes in twice on that day once for himself and once for the nation of israel but now it's extended to all people who can come in yeah. and uh, that liberty is only based on uh, the covering that we have if we are not in christ or in messiah we can't come in we are still excluded because of that holiness aspect.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating study. So I like the way you put it with the, with the, um, the, the, counting, the counting down to Shavuot, in, in my mind I'm going, it's a bit like when, in, in the old Western days when you're waiting on somebody to arrive and you hear the train whistle way, way in the distance. And, and in some ways the train whistle then, say that's, that's Passover is the whistle and we're waiting and waiting and counting down until that train arrives.
1: Yeah, it, um, for people with a, a Catholic background, they might remember those Advent calendars. And so every day in, I think it's December, I'm not yeah. quite sure, you, you would open a, a little flap on that calendar. Um, is there a chocolate behind it? or Sometimes. Yeah, okay. So, you know, and there's, there's and you live up to that final day yeah, and it's it's that same anticipation. And yes. to some degree, we need to build that into our faith again because we, we often come to church and it's like, oh, yeah, here we go again. But it's that sense of living from, from holy season to holy season, and they're not that far apart so that you get a sense of what's next on the calendar. When am I going to meet God again? And, yeah. yeah, we don't get that as much uh, when we, we meet weekly, but to some degree, that's what we need to build in. Yes, we we
0: make a big deal and and rightly so of Easter and, and Passover. We should make a big deal of that. Yeah. But uh, in some ways, it's like oh 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 gosh, is it Pentecost Sunday already?
1: Yeah, and it's it's a real shame because he is the first fruits that that rose, and because of him rising, we have a new high priest. Because of that, when he takes those two loaves symbolically, Jew and Gentile can now come in and. We, in a sense, become first fruits uh, in James one eighteen. You see that, for instance. So it's pretty amazing that we too become a part of that. Yeah. Um, it's an it's an amazing thing to contemplate.
0: And it's the high priest that waves the two loaves
1: at Shavuot. He, he raises them up, and uh, you know he then takes them down again. Yeah. So
0: this is this is in our instance, then this is Christ
1: who does that with us. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and so that that's that sense of him racing us up, yeah, and it's it's by grace. It's always has been by grace, Always. And it, is, it is God who draws near to us rather than we building a ladder into heaven, yeah, uh, or building a tower into heaven, as you know we have in Genesis, yeah,
0: so we've had the fulfillment of Passover. We've had the fulfillment of first fruits. We've had the fulfillment of the Counting of the Omer and of Shavuot, we now await that trumpet.
1: Not, not quite. We we often miss this in Leviticus twenty-three, verse twenty-two. We miss that reference, and it's it's a really interesting reference. You have uh, a whole lot of talk about holy seasons, holy days, holy things that need to happen, and sacrifices and all of that. But in in the verse that is right in the middle of this, the sorry, not yeah, it's in the middle. It's after the closing of all of the spring festivals and before you hit the autumn festivals or the the fall festivals, as our American friends would say, we have, when you reap the harvest of your land to the very corners, um, you know, you you need to leave that. You're not allowed to glean there uh, because that's for the poor, the orphan, the stranger. Yeah. And that reference is actually really key for believers. It's not just, uh, an agricultural reference, as academics like to point out. oh, it's it's all about agriculture. This is uh, you know, early spring things that they could eat, so that that's how they come together. And here's another agricultural reference. and it's it's missing the point in terms of uh, understanding what this is. Uh, the stranger and the alien, the uh, those that are outside of the covenant can be brought in. But we also have that statement by Jesus saying that the fields are ready to harvest. They're wide on to harvest. Yes. So we now have a calling, and that's the whole thing. So before we get to trumpets, we must understand that our calling today is primarily to share the good news that we just learned about in the first feast. Christ, our Passover lamb, the sinless one, the first fruits of the resurrection, who now brings us together, Jew and Gentile. That's the message that we got to share to the world. We need to be able to show the world that we are believers. And some of them do that through mercy ministries, like helping. And some of us do that by standing on the street corner. Some of us do that by bringing people into their homes temporarily and hosting them. Or there's a whole variety of things yeah. that we can do. But be active is really the key. Rather than be passive and sit back and go, yeah, I'm, I'm ready.
0: I think, I think the Lord sometimes would say, uh, actually, no, you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, it's been fascinating. Uh, we're going to have to do this again when you get back from the Netherlands um, because I'm, I'm learning a lot from you and I, and I hope our viewers are as well. Thanks for your time.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: And uh, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Uh, remember to uh, click the bell and all the other bits and pieces to subscribe so that you hear when the next podcast is coming up.